Hello and welcome back to Two Bar Stools and a Knife, talking about the hospitality industry then, now, and in the future. Um, you know, we're just going to get jump right in here. So from FIU Chaplain School of Hospitality and Tourism Management and the Bacardi Center of Excellence, I'm Professor Nathan Dodge, joined by Brian Connors and Chef John Noble Massey. Hello, gentlemen. How's it going? Oh, Dodgy. Hey, Dodgy. Cheers. So, you know, we're going to change nice it up a little bit guys. today. I think we change it up every day, every week. Uh, but we're going to jump right in. It's oh. Today's going to be a little serious than we normally do. Um, because we're going to talk about some serious things that are affecting the hospitality industry right now. We do a full panel of guests, so I don't want to uh, take up more of their time. But before we get started, Brian, what's going on, Bacardi World? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation as well. We got a hell of a lineup of industry pros and good friends here, so we're going to have a really insightful conversation. Uh, Bacardi is doing great. Uh, by the time uh, you have about a week to go before our next Bacardi talks with Drew Neopal, uh, that's going to be on Thursday at one o'clock. That's going to be on the 8th of October. Really looking forward to Drew because he is an industry icon uh, with the creator of Nobu with Robert De Niro, as well as Chef Nobu and Tribeca Grill and his other baton, his other restaurants that he's done. You know, Drew has really been an innovator since the 70s and into the 80s. So you can probably tell I'm looking forward to that conversation as well. Uh, we're back in the lab. I've been saying that for a while, but we're really coming up with some really good stuff for our next kind of wave of uh, Bacardi Teach. Actually, a few of the characters that are on today, we've been having many conversations. So we got some new stuff coming out for that. The Bacardi Classroom, ladies and gentlemen, is 100% uh, done. Look at that timing, huh, guys? When we're trying to transition mm -hmm. back to campus, yeah, our Bacardi Classroom is ready. Now we just got to maybe get the wine room done, a few other things. But uh, yeah, everything's doing great with Bacardi World, you know, and it's always been a phenomenal partnership. So uh, we're going to keep uh, good things rolling. So. Professor Dodge, how about you, brother? Everything's all right with me. And, um, you know, I was at uh, the school last night. I forgot to check out the Bacardi room. But, uh, you know, John Double Massey does these uh, cooking classes every Wednesday and um, got to enjoy a nice little dinner over there on campus. That was a lot of fun. But um, let's get started talking about our guest today. We've got, um, you know, our old friend. He's been on the show several times now, Gabe Orutia. From, uh, hey, Gabe. 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 What's up? We love guys. Gabe. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Excited to be here. I'm, I'm actually on the road now, headed up to, to Delray to support some bars up here. So we're excited. We've been running around town. So we, we've been getting busy, slowly opening down here in South Florida. Well, it's not just slowly. We we uh, we kind of just flipped the switch and, and turned us all on. So we're going to talk about that in a second. But I'm really? going to introduce uh, Jeremy Houghton. Hello, Jeremy. How's everybody doing today? Excellent. Thanks. Nice for you to join us. Thank you, uh, Jeremy. Thank you for got, having me. We've got Jamie Mendeville. She's our old friend. Hi. She was on the show a couple weeks ago. She was kind of show stopping. I snuck on the yes. last yes. one. So yes. I actually got invited this time. So feeling honored. <laughs> We're waiting for the reviews, Jamie, that say that was the best part of the podcast. That, that, that. <laughs> I'll be sure to write that in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for joining us. And, and as I said, we are, are in a difficult time right now, especially we, we've got COVID-19. Um, we've got the wildfires happening out in California. Um, the industry is kind of at a crossroads, and that's why I wanted to bring everyone on. We want to talk about what's going on. So, you know, we are a spirits program. We have a um, wine program. You probably hear uh, 
sirens in the back for dramatic effects. So let's talk about some sirens right now. Jeremy, what is going on in California with the wine industry? Well, right now is a kind of a challenging time for the wine industry on the west coast of the United States. I think, as you can see from my backdrop here uh, of the Zoom call that I have some of the forest fires, and of the past few days, you'll see directly right in between Sonoma and Napa Valley, um, some of the fires that are going on that um, are affecting the grapes. And I think one of our biggest concerns is um, what is this going to do to the, the 2020 vintage? You know, what are the effects? of the smoke, the fire, um, the wineries that are burning down. Um, you know, I just read today of four more that have burnt to the ground. So I think that business is going to be in a lot of trouble because when you look at the science of how, and we've all taught wine for years, you know, one of the first few steps in making wine, and especially red, is you take those skins and you let them sit for 30 days with the juice. And that's 30 days of exposure um, with the skin of the grape, where it's going to have that flavor of, of the smoke from that area. And what is it going to do to the wine? Um, it's a big unknown. And I think with white wines, you don't have as big of a problem, but I think especially with Oregon and um, Washington State being so prevalent with red wines and Pinot Noirs and things like that, I think we're in some trouble uh, for the 2020 vintage. Now, one of the things that, you know, I... I'm not the, the wine guru, absolutely. I, I did take some wine classes. And, you know, when Europe had the Phloxera, Phloxera, I can't pronounce That's it. That's correct. And, you know, the United States had to jump in and really help out there. Um, do we see that Europe is jumping into helping out the, um, the American uh, wine industry right now? Um, a little bit. And I think uh, we're looking for outside sources in different areas to bring in some of the juice to them. Um, to start creating some of them. You know, Australia had their shares of fires as well. So you look at Australia and the 2020, you know, what they've been doing, of course, you know, they're in the Southern Hemisphere, so it's the opposite. But, you know, they had the forest fires out there. So it's no understatement to say 2020 is going to be a challenging year for all of the wine industry in, in general. Um, you know, Europe's going through their phases of, of the climate change um, where some of the grapes are, um, you know, being affected a little bit by a little bit warmer climates. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of outsourcing and further south in, in California. I think you're, and if you look at it, Napa Valley only produces, you know, 4%-ish of the wine from California in that area. So you're still going to get a lot of the, the good stuff coming. And I think this is a great time for other regions, you know, the southern part of the state of California to really shine, to to bring forth some of their winemaking ability. And, you know, you're not going to have those big guns. So for 2020, you might be looking at some of those ones in the southern area that all of a sudden have been in the you know background of the wine industry. And all of a sudden now, boom, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be showcased. So good to them, you know, sad for Napa Valley. If you have a really big fan of a, a you know, one of the wineries, you know, 2020 might not be a year to do it. Now, you never know. Maybe it's just going to be one of those unique years. You know, you're familiar with scotch and they, they pride themselves on the peatiness and smokiness of their, their scotch. So maybe it's just going to be a unique twist to 2020. Um, you know, when you're drinking that red, you're going to have some smokiness. And I think they're going to do a lot of testing for a while. I think you're going to see them um, look at the grapes and how long that they can let it sit there in the, in the contact with the skins. You might see a lot of um, 
lighter reds coming out of that area because it won't allow that skin contact to take place over a period of time. So I think it's going to be an interesting year for for the winemakers in uh, going forward. Yeah, well, and, and then for- I was going to say, unfortunately, Jeremy, right, it's not the first time that they've experienced fires out there. Uh, you know, uh, it was just a year or two ago where they had the other uh, set of fires. And I know when I went out there to visit to help support and recovery of that, there were wineries that specifically said that they just threw out an entire vintage uh, from a specific plot within their within their winery. So there's certainly going to be less supply. Definitely. And I think, but that's an opportunity. So you look at both. It's, you know, it's going to be the, the big guns in the, the big area there where that Napa and Sonoma are going to be hurting because that fire um, is right in that area where, where it's really prevalent. And I think uh, those other ones right, a couple of years ago weren't so, I mean, if you look at the picture of my backdrop, I mean, that's right over that famous Napa sign. I mean, there's no, you know, dissipation of it. And, you know, you see the news about how the air quality is there and this is prime time right now. This is when they're harvesting those grapes and they've already harvested them, you know, hopefully got them off of those vines right now. But, you know, what's that impact going to have when it sits there and, you know, six months later and being in that barrel and fermenting, what's going to happen to it? That's crazy. So yeah, and, and no, good, go, go Brian. Go, Brian. No, I mean, I was going to say also the impact on tourism. You know, I know Gabe and I have been talking about some stuff and, uh, you know, this is uh, the harvest time, but after COVID, uh, you know, with the restrictions that the vineyards have as far as, and, and rightfully so following them, and now you're taking this hit. Uh, can we make 2020 stop? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, um, you, yeah. No, I was just going to say, so besides, you know, the, the wine industry right now is, is going to suffer. And, and, you know, it's not suffering today. It will suffer in two years is when we're going to really see the, this main impact of the bottles coming out. What's going on as far as on-premise? Um, bars are opening. South Florida, for those of you who are listening um, somewhere else in the world, Florida, our governor opened up Florida. We are open for business. Uh, bars are open. Restaurants are open. We, uh, you know, we're back the way it was in February. I don't know if that's a great idea or not. Um, what are you seeing as far as the bars and restaurants and everything else, Gabe? Yeah, and, and, you know, first, I, I just want to mention my heart goes out to um, all our friends in California that are dealing kind of with these fires now. You know, I think first things first is, is kind of the human aspect of um, the creation of, of, of wine. It's, it's not only the winemakers, it's, it's every single part of the process. And I used to work at Jordan Winery, so um, I hold, you know, Sonoma near and dear to my heart. So I think, uh, you know, one of the big things is, is that once we... We, we do go through this. They're going to want to see as much support as possible. So, you know, coming through, they are going to make it out of this and they're going to be Sonoma strong once again. Um, I think for us, it's to go back out there and support as much as possible. So if you can't make it out um, during these months uh, coming up next year, I think it's going to be a great time to go out and support a lot of these wineries. And if you can't, obviously e-commerce is booming now. So definitely jump in there and become part of some of these wine clubs. But um, as for Florida, uh, it's crazy, right? Um, South Florida has been more of a slower type of opening. So we've been a little bit more um, kind of relying on the words of our mayor. Um, our mayor has been a little bit more kind of, you know, cautious getting into phase three. Uh, we have heard what the governor have said. So it's interesting because you see some of these bars that 
wanted to quickly open up during during that first opening, which was in July, where we ended up with uh, a fairly big spike. Um, that the reason why we we're reopening again. So a lot of these bars aren't even going to open uh, right now that I've spoken to. So they're actually kind of sitting back, you know, because the cost of opening is in the thousands of dollars. So they want to make sure that if they do open, they're going to open. Um, they're going to try to open permanently. But for the bars that are opening, um, you know, I just got to say first, go heat uh, because we do have the Miami Heat in the finals. So we have a lot of excited fans all around South Florida. Um, you're seeing some great social distancing. We passed by. Um, I went last night to Grails, uh, to Blackbird Ordinary, and you're seeing them kind of working the way they can to open these bars. And um, you're starting to see a little bit less of um, that uh, six feet uh, type of um, distancing. They're going to do it as good as possible. But the, the most important part is is to make sure that we can get people in there because I think we started doing this 50% minimum um, or the 50% maximum, excuse me. And when we started doing that, we ended up with places just because of the way it was built out, you couldn't even get to 50%, right? Safely. So no, uh, the the mayor is allowing for these bars and restaurants to, to get to 50% capacity safely. We still have a curfew in place down here in South Florida. That's going to be 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. Um, and I, I, I do think that's going to be slowly uh, lifted very soon or at least extended because as we continue to kind of frequent these bars, I think we're starting to see um, safety being taken into account uh, first, which is exciting to see. That's great. Um, and, you know, we, we all we're part of the hospitality industry. And we, we do love it. And we, we want to get back in the bars. Um, I know I haven't been back yet. Um, just because I'm a little worried, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, so, Jamie, what's going on in the rest of the country? You're out in uh, NYC, right? I am, yeah. Um, but I've also been keeping in touch with all of our ambassadors across the sea, how all the markets are going. Um, New York also has a curfew on it. So it's a 10 p.m. curfew, which, I mean, that's extremely early for New York. And bars haven't reopen. So you have to actually order food and order drinks at each place. Um, but people have done a great job of building out onto the patio space. And it's kind of created this amazing energy as you're going through Manhattan, because a lot of times people are kind of crowded into the, a lot of these small bars. And now you walk through the streets and you're seeing people having a good time. I mean, as you noted, like you haven't been to a bar quite yet, but we're seeing that people are getting out. They're seeing that there's open spaces. They're seeing that people are, are abiding by rules as far as capacity, as far as safety standards and masks, and they are getting out there more frequently. Um, tourism is coming back a little bit, and I'm not sure. I mean, I'm kind of new to New York. I'm from the West Coast, so I'm not quite sure how the seasons go, but it seems like everybody has come back from the Hamptons and from Connecticut or whatever other towny place and have re-infiltrated into the city. So last weekend I was out and it was super busy. It almost felt like normal. Um, mm. But at the same time, like we're still seeing bars closing and some of them are making the decision not to reopen for until the season is over, meaning that winter is over if they're reopening. 
So that's one, that's one thing that you don't have in South Florida. People are kind of thinking if they can't actually build outdoor areas, that they have heaters and other things to equip it, then they're just going to go ahead and close the doors for the season. Um, and that's actually not nearly as bad as some people that have had to close the doors permanently. So we've definitely seen some casualties among some of our favorite cocktail bars in the city. And nice. the same in, yeah, the same in San Francisco. I, you know, my heart goes out. I, I used to live in San Francisco for a few years, but it's now, it's not that this is just one occurrence. This has happened annually for the past couple of years. And right now with um, the situation of COVID, many of these bars, it's extremely expensive for real estate in San Francisco. So if you have to close for a week due to smoke, uh, where you were keeping somewhat regular hours and trying to get some revenue going, we're seeing that hit people dramatically. Um, but at the same time, San Francisco, their bars are not open at all. So it's only restaurants. But we've seen many of the bars kind of pivot into grab and go. So they've been pairing up with chefs. And one of my favorite bars that I used to live around the corner from Trick Dog has now become Quick Dog. So they're doing hot dogs and fries and really cool craft cocktails to go, but, you know, basically a diner service. So, you know, one of the things that does scare me, Hmm. I'm sorry, one of the things that does scare me is, you know, we've tried to reopen before. This isn't our first time. Um, And the last time we tried to reopen, two weeks later, we had to shut down again in the state of Florida because... They weren't maintaining social distance. And, and, you know, Gabe was saying that he is seeing social distancing, but I've also seen the pictures of some of the bars on uh, Fort Lauderdale Beach, and they're not. And that worries me of, is there going to be, a, whether it's a second wave or a third wave or whatever you want to call it, or, and I know none of us are epidemiologists, but we also don't want to have to worry about going in. Hold on. That was a big did. word for Nathan Dodge. That was pretty yeah. damn impressive. All right. Nice. Wow. Big, big word word so, he, he did the, the, you know, the combo. That, that was a big word. That was wow. a big word. And phylloxera and epidemiologist. Wow. You know, you know word, somebody's you know. been studying for their SATs. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm glad when I said we're going to have a serious conversation today, it wasn't totally serious. So that's good. Um, so Johnny and Jamie, you know, both of you, uh, one of the articles that I just recently read said about 60% of the businesses that had closed due to um, the pandemic will now stay closed. They're going to be closed forever. And that was a Yelp article. Um, where, what are you seeing, especially, and I know, John, you've done some um, stuff about COVID and reopening restaurants. What are you seeing right now as far as how are we going to reopen and how are we doing it? Well, you know, I, I, I was really heartened to, to, to hear that places like La Bernadette up in New York were, were reopening, you know, so fine dining, I think, is, is the area where restaurants are being the most challenged. Uh, as you mentioned, Nathan, I, I just finished the, the third of, uh, of three live sessions that we have for COVID training safety training and compliance training for Miami restaurants. Uh, the course was designed in partnership with the city and the DDA to make sure that restaurants in Miami were not falling back into uh, you know, bad habits. And I think I share the same concern as, as you, you know, it, with 
with restaurants reopening and and uh, that doesn't mean that the pandemic's going away that, that the virus is not going away we still need need to maintain you know some of the safe practices of social distancing and fa- uh, wearing facial coverings and, and that um, you know but where do I think re- restaurants are going I think the restaurants like 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 that Jamie said are going from uh, what was it uh, uh, the, 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 dog, the hot dog restaurant. I mean, that's, that's great. The places that are flexible and are able to pivot and either do uh, quick service style food, food to go. Um, lots of restaurants in this area have had success with uh, pantries, maybe doing dressings or sauces, um, steak kits that are available to go, including the drink kits. So, you drink know, when kits, we had, I was thinking about that. You know, that, those gallons from our, our good friend, Kern Matai over at the Mai Kai. You know, I want to go order a gallon of Mai Tais from him. Um, just a gallon? Just a gallon. It's like a hundred bucks. Just a gallon? <laughs> you know, well, I'll have a few, well, I'll have a few friends over safely on my patio oh. for a little uh, barbecue. Or we just go over to Dodge's and, and have over. the Mai Tais. I got the pool. Everyone gets one corner of the pool. Yeah, there you go. I read a statistic that, um, you know, Florida was second in the nation. This is from the National Restaurant Association as far as how many restaurants were lost so far to COVID. And we were at um, 5,900 and uh, California was at 6,400. And, you know, it's just sad because I um, had called and went on the website to make dinner reservations for New Year's at the French Laundry. We were going to go and um, a couple of us and have New Year's and, it says on the recording at the French Laundry that they're they're not accepting reservations after October 31st um, due to the state of what's going on, and they're not sure what they're going to do. Uh, for for me, what I'm concerned about down the line, and we're all front and center with the restaurant world, but it's all the ancillary businesses, and it's the supply chain. And you think about farmers, you think about uh the places that are supplying us with uh, cattle and poultry and pork products. And you cut off, you know, at least 50% of their business as a result of closing of the restaurants. They've had to dispose of some of the product. They haven't, you know, they didn't want to glut the market and uh, they lost that business. And for the first time in our lives, a couple months ago, we saw supply shortages, whether it be toilet paper, but we also saw other products. And so my concern is, is whether it be from environmental concerns, uh, what Jeremy was mentioning with the fires, you know, we, we need to uh, manage all of those supply chains better and, and be more creative on our side, on the, on the restaurant and food service world to, to deal with, to, to be prepared for some of those things and teach the students think- to be prepared. And, and, and I think that that's kind of, that's the, the balance that I think and the challenge that a lot of the restaurants and bars are, are uh, trying to find is, is still deliver that superior customer value while still um, upholding kind of the integrity and the quality of ingredients that they used to have while not wasting so much, right? And and I think you're starting to see that. You're starting to see a little bit more simple cocktails, a little bit more leaning on local ingredients as well. But at the same time, when that gets home to you, whether it be takeout, delivery, or even at the bar, 
that you still have this beautiful elevated experience that you're trying to deliver. Um, and I think that that's, um, you know, we can find that balance that we're going to see a lot more success. Um, you know, one quick number I wanted to throw out, e-commerce is booming when it comes to spirits. You're seeing a lot of these um, at-home mm. craft, um, at-home bartenders, um, where you see a, a, uh, an app like Drizzly, which is a delivery app, it's actually up 350% year to date mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to delivering mm. spirits um, all over the United States. Uh, people are still looking for um, their special brands. They're leaning on, you know, of course, the simplicity of what they know of, of, of what they're used to uh, purchasing. So um, you're seeing a big boom there as well. I just used Drizzly today to send um, some alcohol to my friends in Fort Lauderdale because it was uh, his birthday. So it's that's funny. Awesome. It is. And I mean, that's the way you, you know, it has to go now. And where I am now, they allowed to go cocktails. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Would you like one to go? I'm like, is that allowed here in Rhode Island? And they're like, yeah. In Rhode yeah. Island of all places. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And they passed a law just recently to make it just temporary until this is done. But they said, yeah, you can take a cocktail to go with you. I'm like, God, I love living here. But uh, Miss, Miss Florida, you guys. That sounds so safe. Now everywhere right, is yeah, like yeah. New Orleans. You can just take your cocktail to go for the time oh, yeah. being. You so know, it's, yeah, it's interesting you say e-commerce, Gabe, because I've also, you know, as places are reopening, part of it, part of the hurdle is bringing back your staff if they're even mm. there to bring back. And I've seen a lot of our bartender friends move into that world of starting YouTube channels, of starting up partnerships with the Flaviers, with the Drizzlies, doing specialty cocktails or doing cocktail kits. Um, so it's, it is interesting, you know, to see how people have been pivoting and finding new areas within our industry to work within. There are certainly more podcasts out there too, James. <laughs> you know, everyone's getting on our bandwagon. I think we, 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 we were some of the first. Uh, you know, uh, I, don't, so I, I don't know about that, John. Well, Jamie, I knew right? you know, Joe Rogan came up with the idea after us. So I think yeah, that's... Where we said, uh, I, was just write, I was writing down in my notes and I just I want to dovetail exactly what Jamie was saying. You know, I said, you know, creativity wins. You know, those operators, and I'm not going to get, you know, too Debbie Downer, but, you know, those operators that are not coming back, they haven't been, you know, really pushing the creative envelope of innovations, number one. Uh, you know, Gabriel, your team, Jamie, your team, I know Bacardi in general has been out there really hustling people uh, in a good way to help them, you know, really kind of develop a new program. But, you know, I go back to that conversation I had, you know, with, with Chip Wade of Union Square Hospitality a couple of weeks ago, where, you know, 80% is that magic number. And if you're not having 80% capacity in your restaurant, depending upon obviously your occupancy uh, level, you're not going to be profitable. And Jamie, you know, you, you brought up the heaters. I, I heard there's now a shortage on heaters, uh, that are. people can't get heaters. Mm-hmm. You know, and that yeah. number is going to dwindle. Yeah. Exactly. If you're trying to just be, get one for your residents, that's definitely a no-go. But yeah, many businesses are unable to get heaters. They're unable to get enough of them. And then even just trying to find coverage uh, for their outdoor parklets and other areas. Um, but we have seen some great like design within them too. I'm very impressed with some of the pop-ups and parklets that I've seen and people bringing their aesthetic inside, outside and creating a whole new experience. Those smart operators. We're, we're lucky in, in South Florida is that we're able to do we're able to do this kind of all year long. So um, you know, being up in New York and everywhere else, I, I it's scary. I, I don't even know how you would handle it. 
Well, the confusion too, Dodge, down here in South Florida, and I know Gabriel was talking a little bit about Miami Day, but in Broward County, uh, where Dodge and I live, you know, it's 50% indoors and 100% outdoors. Uh, and you're right, you know, in many places, we're good at outdoors, and we're coming up to the season where it's very comfortable outside to dine basically all day outside. So that's a positive for us here. But I do think, and you know, Gabe, you know, I don't know what you think about this. There still is a little bit of confusion uh, between bars and restaurants and what you can and can't do. And I don't know about you guys, but that scares the hell out of me. Mm. Yeah, you know, for us, it's, it's you know, we get, you know, some direction that comes from the governor. And then once we go down to the local level, it's different directions. So then some bars just go rogue uh, when it comes to that, you know. So, you know, I think no one's trying to disrespect the fact that we do want to safe social distance and that we do want to wear our masks. I don't think anyone's against that. It's just kind of getting more clear and concise direction as to how they can open, where they can open, whether it's indoor, whether it's outdoors, what protocols need to be in place to be able to make that happen and to be successful. And of course, to keep, you know, the guests safe and to keep them coming back. So, you know, that's kind of been the biggest confusion that I'm seeing in a lot of threads that I'm on. So we actually... You know, down here in South Florida, for example, we've banded together. We're on a WhatsApp group with over 150 bar owners and operators, restaurants as well. And we just chat about everything from uh, PPP to PPE um, <laughs> and just try to figure out where we can land um, and be successful together. So, you know, one big thing that we can get out of this is that restaurants and bars, um, we've banded together in a very, very positive way. And I think that that, you know, coming out of this is going to benefit us um, in the long run. Yeah, and I, I, think I think also customers are are very lenient and, uh, and very forgiving now. They don't mind if they have to wait a little bit. You know, I went out to dinner last night and you could tell that they were a little bit in the weeds in the kitchen because they're understaffed and servers. And we're like, no problem. Like, take your time. And and I think customers are very um, respectful of that now when it, they're going out, that there is a situation going on and they're not going to get those apps within 11 minutes and all of the things that they were used to before COVID happened. Definitely. And actually, like for me, it gives me security when I go to a restaurant or bar and they have a protocol in place, you know, where they tell you right away, like we have a QR code for the menu. If you'd like a disposable menu, let your server know, please wear your face mask anytime you're not at your table. If your server approaches, put your face mask on, please push your, your plates to the side of the table. Whenever, when they've thought about all of this protocol, then it invites me to come back because they're taking it seriously. So then I, I can agree. rest assured. Oh, Jamie, totally agree. Absolutely, Jamie, because I think there's the thing it, we're experiencing right now, Gabe, Gabriel's talking about a little bit with the confusion with the ordinances. You set all that stuff aside, and you as a guest going into a place, your comfort level is dictated by the level of competency and commitment that that restaurant has to all of these precautions that we know are out there. You should be sanitizing stuff. You should be wiping stuff down. You should be wearing facial coverings. When you walk into a place and they're taking your temperature, that is awesome, right? And it gives you the, the, the confidence and they're taking you through those steps as your experience that you just shared did. So regardless of whatever the, the ordinances are and the updates, if restaurants and our team can commit to good stuff like that, I think we're, we're going to be okay. Yeah, and I really hey, let me ask you guys. Oh, sorry, no, I, this is for everybody, Dodging, I think. But how do you guys feel about when the restaurant property or what have you is adding an upcharge for COVID? In other words, for 
supplies, everything that Chef Massey just talked about for sanitation, where we're seeing in some cases, Jamie, I don't know, they're adding like 20% on in New York City or something real silly like that. I don't know. What, what does the panel think? Uh, I'm going to call it a dais. What does the dais think about uh, the upcharge for COVID on the check? I, you know, I think Jeremy said, I think, uh, I, you know, I, I won't speak for him, but I think I'm going to be more forgiving with if, if they're committed and I see all of those things visibly, I don't mind paying a little, just like I don't mind paying a little extra for a quality ingredient or quality service. I don't mind paying a little bit extra for safety. No, a little bit extra is one thing, but you know, one of the things I teach in my revenue management class is if we're not getting an extra, if you're charging extra and they don't feel like they're getting anything more for what they're paying, they're not getting more value in their money. They're going to get upset. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been to both types of restaurants where they do charge or where they don't charge. Um, you know, there's there's 5%, 10%, 20% seems a little bit high for de- depending on what it is. And, you know, I'm going to throw in, we, we are, we've entered this new normal. And I think that some of this new normal is, go- I know, Brian hates that, I, I, is that. Does that mean we need to take a shot? Yeah, I think it does. <laughs> Cheers. But, Cheers. you know, part of that is, um, sanitation's hopefully, if when we get this cure, we get a vaccine, whatever, sanitation's not going to go down. Okay, we're not going to do the face masks anymore. We're not going to do a lot of the other stuff. You're not going to have to take temperatures probably in a couple of years. But hopefully that level of sanitation that we've grown accustomed to in the past few months doesn't change, doesn't go down. I want cleanliness. Call me crazy, but I do. Sorry to interrupt. What do you guys no, think? I, okay. I agree. You said a good thing. Like you don't know where the 20% is going. I think for myself, I'm fine with it so long as there's transparency. So exactly what is happening mm. and what extra services are being provided. If a restaurant is going to be closed for a couple hours between day shift and night shift, does that mean that they have an extra cleaning crew coming through to sanitize in between? Like as so long as I have an idea of where this is being allocated to, then I'm with it for the time being as you said cleanliness is a good thing and i think it's bringing us in the hospitality industry back to the things that we've always have upheld it's always been extremely important and now it's just you know highlighted for necessity now more than ever and i think they get to see us now in a different light i think when a customer goes and we've always done it we've always washed our hands and we're always very clean in the kitchen and we we know that and I think now it shines a light on it. They're looking a little bit more. So even if they are charging, they're going to see that, that you know, the chefs are wearing plastic gloves. They probably were, maybe, maybe not. Um, but they, they, they get to see it now for their, their dollars. And, you know, um, just like Dodge said, he's right. You know, they got to see that it's working. And, you know, if, um, if you just called it what it was, maybe they would view it differently. And maybe just, you know, a COVID fee to help keep us, you know, open or, you know, cleaning like, um, you know, Jamie said at night in between, just so that they know that that money's going somewhere. Yeah. Cool. Transparency is key. That was, a, that was an excellent point. So, yeah, it, you know, I wanted to jump in kind of this whole pivot thing, you know, you spoke about the supply chain and, you know, we spoke about how everyone has to get more creative and, you know, we even on the Bacardi side have had to, you know, really kind of almost flip some of the ratios on some of the brands where we were mostly an on-premise brand. Now we're mostly an off-premise brand. But, you know, now 
you know, when it comes to e-commerce, and, and I even say this for restaurants, you're seeing a very strong reliance on digital marketing. Um, a lot of people leaning on SEO, leaning on, on paid ads, Facebook ads as well. And this is something that I think is also going to be the new normal. I mean, and Jamie, I don't know about you, but how many times have you been, you know, messaged by a friend on Instagram asking um, where they can go out to eat? You know, they're looking for a place to eat, but they don't know what's open and what's not. Mm -hmm. um, I think now you're starting to see these restaurants that are leaning on these paid ads that are actually um, winning a lot of the hearts and minds of, of patrons because they pretty much think that this might be the only one open. So it's crazy. Exactly. Well, people that were not digital before are definitely now. Well, in some Absolutely. cases, too much. <laughs> are, you exactly. know, are we, you know, we, we're all, we, we are getting zoomed out. Are we getting, you know, basically, you know, bombarded so much that these, this information is turning into noise? The marketing professor and he comes out, but like, we're not paying attention to it anymore because we see it too much. So I think there's a fine line. But I, Gabriel, I agree with you 100% that we're seeing a great level of innovation when it comes to that. But there's a fine line that we have to kind of walk. And even at the Chaplain School, we're very aware of that. At least I hope we are. So uh, Professor Dodge threw this over to me, you know, and I, I promised we weren't going to do a crazy speed rail. But uh, I do have one kind of closing question for all of us to kind of, uh, and I'll do a little bit of my uh, maestroing around here to have some fun with it. But, uh, you know, I asked a question uh, during our Michael Hirsch talk a couple weeks back. And it's a very simple question. And I'm very, very uh, curious of what your opinions are, not just your expertise, but what your opinions are. So uh, let's throw it to uh, the chefy guys here too first. So uh, John Noble Massey, uh, are we going to be okay in the restaurant industry as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. I, I say that without a drop of hesitation because we faced challenges before and the businesses that are demonstrating their flexibility and creativity already I mean, it's built into our DNA, the ones that have passion and for the business. And it's something that, that I know each of the professors on this call teach to their students. Yeah. And so I'm confident in them and I'm therefore confident in the, in the future of the business. Hmm. Very good. All right, Chef Jeremy Houghton, same thing. Are, are we gonna be okay? You know, you're in, you now see two different markets. You've seen Florida, you're up in the 401 in Rhode Island there. Are we gonna be okay? Yes, I think uh, we are. I think what's going to really be um, interesting is what rebounds afterwards. Like even if the, that statistic we said of, of all those restaurants closing, um, that was a demand pre-COVID. So when COVID's done or there's a vaccine, um, that demand's going to be higher than ever. People are not going to want to eat, you know, cook at the home. They want to go go out, um, and there's going to be this huge growth in our business. And and I think. Here at you know FIU, you look at our students; they have an unbelievable opportunity to go out now um, and make their mark when this this flips the script and it goes back. And you've got you're going to see entrepreneurs, I think, left and right take up some of these spots that are empty. And I think you're going to see them go in, and you know our government um, hopefully will help them out and you know state and county, and it'll be like, hey, you know, you want to reopen it? We'll give you a little bit of leeway here and there, and, and financially. And next thing you know, you're going to have all these people that have been itching to get out in the business, or you know, chefs that have been working for five or six years that want to make their mark, and the door is going to be open for them. I think, you know, I'm an optimist, so I'm, I'm looking at it like we're going to kick some butt. Yeah, interesting. Jane, what do you think? You know, you have the the ear to many, many people uh, throughout the nation, uh, but of yeah. course, you know. What do you think? Are we going to be okay? 
Yeah, of course we're going to be okay. We're industry. We live in the weeds, you know, like yeah. we thrive in it. So we're going to be okay. And, you know, the people that come to the restaurants and the bars, they thrive on human contact. So I think if anything, we're going to see, you know, a bit of change and a bit of opportunity. Some people are moving out of the bigger cities, but they're taking with them their expertise and their, you know, their talents and bringing them and spreading them into other areas around the country. Um, the big cities are always going to be the big cities. So yes, we're definitely. I, I like that, that idea too. Of that we're seeing the secondary markets that are really kind of going to see a, a, a quick little burst of talent, creativity mm-hmm. in those markets. So uh, uh, Gabriel, you know, what do you think there, brother? You're on your road right now to go visit some accounts and I'm sure you talk to everybody, but uh, what are your thoughts on this? Are we going to be okay? There is nothing more beautiful than the resilience of a hospitality professional. So we are not so excited to be challenged in this way, but we're excited to see what the, what the future holds. And I think, you know, uh, first off, I want to thank, you know, the FIU Chapman School of Hospitality and the McCarty Center of Excellence uh, offering those badges out, um, just making sure that we're keeping up to date uh, when it comes to uh, a lot of the education that we're getting for um, hospitality professionals all around the United States. So it's been a really exciting time. And, you know, that's just a testament to kind of what's going on, that that excitement is still there, that uh, uh, kind of want to, to, to bring that hospitality back uh, to South Florida is still there as well. So we're going to be better, we're going to be better, and we're going to be stronger than ever. So I'm excited for the future. Yeah, amen to that. So, uh Dodge, little last closing thoughts from our numbers guru on this uh, day as today. What do you think there, brother? Uh, are we going to be okay? So I'm going to go back to what I did learn in my wine class from Charlie Arturola many, many years ago. And one of the things, wow. he, said, I know, one of the things he said was grapes and grapevines under stress, if they have to work hard, they make really good wines. So, you know, we are under stress yeah. right now and the industry is under stress, but I think we're going to turn it around and be even better. You know, people are going to lose their jobs. Businesses are going to go out of business. Um, but we're going to turn it around and, and really do something phenomenal in the future. Wow. You know, I think Nathan Eugene Dodge gets our MVP for the day. Yeah, with yeah. Two, two big words. Woo! Two Woo! big words. Yep. That's right. As well as a very appropriate metaphor. Nathan, yes. we applaud you. Yes. Well we done. We applaud you, well Nathan. Done. Yes. Well done. You know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, so, gang, this has been great. I, I love the options. I love the passion, you know, passion we all have for our industry, our students, and our friends and colleagues. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take one from uh, Jeremy and from Gabriel. Our hearts and prayers are going out to our friends out in Napa and Sonoma. Uh, let's make sure they stay safe out there. And, you know, I think one big takeaway for me is that uh, we are going to be great because we're going to get better. Everyone had their own little insights there. Uh, we're going to come back even stronger. And I think uh, – I'm looking forward to the future, you know, and Gabe, like you said, we, we are really positioning ourselves very well at the Chapman School, the Party Center of Excellence, uh, to really create something new and dynamic for the future. So uh, with that, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Uh, John and Opal Massey, any closing thoughts there? Um, this has been awesome. I loved uh, catching up with our friends and colleagues. I think it's been very informative. I will remind everybody, first of all, bonjour to our French listener. Bonjour. Um, and I'll close with, this is homecoming week. So Woo! make sure that you attend your homecoming festivities of which I believe we are doing something, which is 
brunch on and brunch and beverages. Brunch of the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, we're all doing something, uh, and Chef Houghton, be careful. We'll suck you in on something too. On the, so. on the, on the tenth, on Saturday the tenth, on Saturday the tenth between eleven and noon. There you go. That's when that is. And please drink responsibly, everybody. Thank you very much, Nathan Eugene Dodge. Or do you want to stop there while you're ahead? No, no, no. I'm gonna, I'll finish up because I think you're gonna like this one. Um, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, you know, we're, we are jumping into October. Um, so we are going to slip on our lederhosen to bring out some uh, Oktoberfest treats. Does lederhosen count as a big word, Brian? I don't oh, know. Maybe. That's three. The trifecta. The trifecta. <laughs> now, I do want to make sure everyone does drink responsibly. Please follow us on Facebook at Two Bar Stools and Knife and the Bart Cardi Center of Excellence. Those are two different sites. Um, we look forward to, to seeing all of you in the future and uh, listening or having you listen to us, you know, next week. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank Bye, you. everybody. Bye, everyone. Stay safe. All right.